The end result will be a one-world monetary and government system that we alone will control. Yes. What about the people who forget their number, or their cards are lost or stolen? We've made provisions for that. By using this laser imprinter, we can painlessly and permanently affix the person's number to the back of his hand or his forehead if he so desires. The numbers would be easily read by this new ultraviolet scanning equipment. For the purposes of demonstration, I've had such a number imprinted on myself. Once this number is imprinted, it cannot be lost nor can it be changed. Now, are there any questions? What about the individuals who refuse to have this number implantation? We expect some minor resistance, especially from highly motivated religious groups. But eventually, hunger will cause even the most zealous to conform to our program. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I am concerned about the situation in the Middle East. We've given Russia and Israel a great deal of consideration. Russia is, as you probably already know, considering an invasion of Israel in order to obtain a Mediterranean seaport. Our policy is to support such a move and supply Israel with the necessary nuclear weapons to fend off such an attack. The mental conditioning of the Israelis is he has nothing to lose and subsequently will attack the Russians before they can get their planes off the ground. Gentlemen, I believe that within a year, two at the most, our one world government will be a reality. If we continue on our present course, it is my opinion that we could uh, present the himself. Wat zullen we nemen? Nou, wat zullen we nemen? Uh, ik weet het nog niet. Uh, nou, laten we even kijken. Uh, die uh, uh, schoolfilet, is dat wat? Nee, nee, nee. Ik heb daar geen zin in. Uh, oh, nee, misschien is een mega hamburger met frit. Dat heb ik heel lang niet gegeten. Oh. Nou, dan neem ik wel die schoolfilet met grafiegottensaus, uh, groenten en aardappelen naar keuze. Nou, ik hoop dat het niet zo goed Nee. Nou, nou goed, dat is besloten, hè? Ja, ik, ik neem een mega hamburger met frites. Oké, okay, neem ik de schoolfilet. En uh, weet jij wat je, wat je toe wilt? Uh, een pudding met verse aardbei. Oh, ja, zo kun je. Ja. Nou, ik neem de pudding met perensaus. Lijkt me lekker. Nou, dat lijkt me ook lekker, maar ik neem pudding met verse aardbei. Oké, okay. nou, zijn we klaar? Amara, Faith, Soji, who's missing? Steve. Yeah, oh, yeah, Steve. Uh, anyone know what's going on? I heard some other kids say that he was having some trouble at home, or something like that. What kind of trouble? Don't know, they didn't say. Oh, I guess we'd better start without him. He'll probably show up soon enough. So, Uncle Mac, are we going to do what you promised? Absolutely, Soji. Today, we're going to talk to young people in our city about the dangers of drugs. As you know, using drugs for recreation often makes kids get involved in behaviors they wouldn't otherwise be involved in. Dangerous behaviors, very dangerous. I've heard about kids our age who actually got sick and died from using drugs. That's so sad. So, what can we do for them? I'm glad you asked that question, Amara. I've entered a lot of data into Technobrain, my very smart computer tablet here, and I think it can give us some ideas. Technobrain, are you ready to help? Ready. 
Just speak what information you need, and I will provide suggestions. Great. Oh, and you guys brought your permission slips from your parents allowing you to take part in this project? Yes, I see you did. Okay, I, I think we're ready to start. Uh, first, we're going to go over to the... Uh... Wait. What is it, TMB? Is there a problem? Research has shown that projects of this nature have the best chance for success if they begin with prayer. Prayer. TNB is right. Everything goes better with prayer. But why don't we all bow our heads right now? Uh, Faith and Soji, would you invite God to be with us this morning as we do our work? I'm sorry, Emily. Well... Hello, Steve. Glad you could make it. We're a little worried about you. Worried about me? <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm just fine. During the past decade, an epidemic of ritual crime has swept our nation at an alarming rate. Law-abiding citizens report satanic crimes in every state, and the number of cases investigated by police continues to rise. Well-organized satanic groups are creating a reign of death and destruction, which cannot be ignored. Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck their assholes! Cool out! The FBI's 1988 Uniform Crime Report indicates more than 18,000 murder investigations during that year, and 26% of those murders were listed as bizarre or ritualistic. In that same year, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children listed more than 9,000 unresolved cases of missing children. The National Clearinghouse on Satanic Crime in America estimates 50% of the cases of missing children and bizarre murders may be linked directly to satanic and other occult organizations. It is common for these groups to kidnap their victims, usually infants and young children, from hospital. On your way. Leave me alone. Where do you live, Mac? Take your hands off me. Oh, you're gonna get tough, are you? You'd better come with me. Listen, I can take care of myself. Yeah, that's what all you drunks say. Fearful that excessive drinking might lead to a return of prohibition, the U.S. liquor interests have made a determined campaign to promote moderation. But upon this, his chances largely depend. Then the facts of his case are determined, for the treatment varies with the patient's history. We'll close the meeting in the usual way. Every barrier to reality. You are beyond its limits. And you'll never see it again. They're coming to get you. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to 
They're coming to get you. They bear the mark of the devil inside them. Oh, power of evil. She offers herself. Drink this, and you will be free. They may be your wife, husband, sweetheart. They're coming to get you. They may even be your children. They're coming to get you. They cannot be exorcised. They're coming to get you. This is their time. The Book of Doomsday foretold their coming. Mitchell, Johnson, take charge of the girl. Locked in the grip of the ultimate evil. There's nothing you can do. It's already happened. Exercise you from this house. You exorcism. Where demonic possession lives and evil penetrates the soul. Who are you? George, take me away from here. Remember Jessica, how beautiful she was. Sensitive, like a child. This is my child, mine, do you hear? I'll never let you kill it. I'll kill anyone who tries to take him from me. I'll kill you, I'll kill you. Mommy! Inside her, a new life is struggling desperately to compel itself into existence. Biological absurdity that the development of the fetus is proceeding with absolutely incredible speed. Papa, don't leave Ken and me alone again with Mommy. <laughs> No one must attempt to interfere with her pregnancy, you understand? The child must be born! Attention white youth. By Glenn Miller. Your parents and grandparents do not love you as much as they love their own safety and financial self-interests. They've turned their backs on you. They've abandoned you. And they lie to you in order to hide their apathy shame and cowardice listen up i'm approving as recently as 1960 our race was 90 percent of america's population today true statistics be told we're less than half and we're dropping fast while the dark peoples multiply like rats all around us and as more tens of millions of them invade our country from all over the world our race is drowning literally in seas of colored mongrels. Our people buy almost twice as many caskets as cradles. Your race is dying before your eyes. Since Und es wäre besser, wir würden gegen den was unternehmen, denn ich möchte das nicht noch einmal durchmachen. Super, komm schon, beeil dich, Dad! Boys ready? Wow, es ist wirklich ganz toll! 
Find him, destroy him, and you have disorganized, ignorant Negroes to deal with. Get off the head, like that. Exactly. All right, Carstairs, get right on it. I'm going back to Washington. Get back to me by tomorrow noon. to Washington. Why don't you lose yourself here for a few days? A little shopping. Be back Sunday, huh? Sure, baby. You find something to do in Chicago. Five miles offshore is the island of Roca. The island is covered by a very dense jungle which surrounds and protects the sacred mountain of Ra Rami. Sacred because the natives believe that the mountain is cursed. <laughs> no, wait! She was attacked by a native. She'll be all right. He was a member of a tribe called the Puka. Why is everybody so scared of the Puka? They were the ancient inhabitants of Ra Rami. Mm. In their language, mm. Ra Rami means mountain of the cannibal god. Those cannibals forced you to partake in their rituals. You can run. Sooner or later, we kill The daughter's death was an accident which we haven't managed to explain. An epidemic of accidents, and all of them pretty weird. Death is not the end of everything. At the beginning, new I want to speak with them. But there are limits, barriers. We set up the barriers. Instead of dying. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to have the car you were riding in suddenly plunge off the road into a river? Did you ever ask yourself in the middle of a plane trip, I wonder what it would be like to crash? Did you ever think about what it would be like in a war fighting for your life? And have you ever thought about what it would be like to commit suicide? Well, it's perfectly normal to occasionally consider such questions. Everyone does. 
Of course, if you think about these things very often, you have a problem. It is also perfectly normal to be curious about the effects of many of the currently popular drugs. However, many of these drugs are associated with serious dangers and the thinking, reasoning mind recommends against their use. This recommendation frequently produces a conflict. You would like to know what the drug experience is really like. Yet you don't want to make the mistake of trying to fly out of the window. In an attempt to get you out of this conflict, I'm going to take you on some educational drug trips or experiences. They will be very much like the real thing, but without the associated dangers. Then, after each trip or experience, we'll discuss some of the things that happen. How would you like to go on an LSD trip first? Dan is hier allereerst een bericht voor de jeugd. Het is ons ook uit telefonische mededeling van luisteraars gebleken dat vanmorgen vele ouden vandaag de grootste moeite hebben gehad om zonder ongelukken de leveranciers van levensmiddelen te bereiken die nu door de sneeuw niet meer huis aan huis bezorgen. Vandaar een dringend beroep op de jeugd die vakantie heeft om de oude alleenstaanden in de eigen omgeving te helpen door voor deze groep de nodige boodschappen te doen tot de toestand van de wegen weer normaal is. En dan is de tijd rijp voor Gloriën How to respond to smears. And your ability to judge time is completely disrupted. Increase the dose to 200 micrograms and you're on an LSD type trip, including illusions, delusions, and hallucinations. Thus, the dangers increase as the amount of THC increases. Some people have suggested that if you legalize marijuana, you could regulate the amount of THC, and thus things would be improved over the current situation. They would suggest that you could add warnings and regulations, as is now done with tobacco or alcohol. But the problems with tobacco and alcohol are quite different from those with LSD and THC. Although tobacco is very dangerous over a long period of time, the immediate effects are not so serious. A top secret leashed a deadly virus. Blood pressure is 240 over 120, respiration 30 and shallow. This guy looks pretty bad too. How you feel? Now he has become the town's only hope.
We interrupt our normal program to cooperate in civil defense measures as requested by the government. This is a radio alert. Normal broadcasting will now be discontinued for an indefinite period. Civil defense information will be broadcast in most areas on your regular radio receiver. I repeat, normal broadcasting will be discontinued for an indefinite period. Civil defense information will be broadcast in most areas on your regular radio receiver. Met glorie der mensheid, die met ons zal zijn, zoals hij ook met en bij onze vaderen was. Voorwaarts, zijn oder niet zijn, heeft Wilhelm gezegd. Leven of dood, er komt een dag na elke nacht. Voorbij trekt iedere wolk. Ik zie hoe het eerste morgenwind door het hoge venster draait. Glorie der mensheid maakt mij het sterven licht. En zo ik heb gefaald, gelijk een elk al falen kan, schenk mij dan een genade. Opdat ik heen ga als een man, als een goede noodwil staat.
Als u na het schokkende programma behoefte aan hebt om met iemand te praten, bel dan gerust dit nummer 035 83 88. Gaat en onderwijst alle volken. For friendship to be revolutionary by Sever. I hate you all. I hate your broken friendship. I hate your pretensions of being revolutionary. Your complacency. I hate how you've been defeated. I hate how you've lost that string of possibility we used to follow through the streets and across our miserable lives. How you've forgotten. How you've made the easier choice. And how this is starting to feel like high school all over again. I hate how you talk about community when there could be nothing further from the truth. I hate how you don't talk about community when it's imminent, when all you have to do is reach out and grab it. And if you seized it, I'd still be on the outside, peering in and hating, but how much more beautiful would that be than my present tableau? I hate how theories become sandcastles in your clever hands, or team colors you wear proudly on your head. I hate how you forget the prisoners unless they wear the same colors, unless they are penance in your sandcastle, forgetting, even when you remember them, how you share their imprisonment. I hate how you forget the crazy ones, how you spurn us because we're no fun, how you suddenly celebrate us when we're back in vogue, when our craziness becomes revolutionary with a capital R. I hate how you forget the friends who took care of you when life kicked you in the teeth, who are always there, who ask you how you feel and want to know the terrible truth, who remember that in the thick of it, even warriors still need to eat. They are the ones who keep the struggle going. I hate how you go rigid and let your possible self die. It was that possibility I fell in love with. The way friendship meant more to you than a con congruous misery. The way you held me after I cut myself open to let out all that burning blood. The way you strode forward, tiny you, and bashed those two riot cops on the head with that wooden pole because they were coming up on our flank and you wanted to protect all of us. The way you tell me about plants and their uses and send me tinctures for what ails me. I love the way... How, when I write something, you adorn it as though the words were your own. The way you always keep in touch with people who think differently, not like a politician, but because you would bend your long body to the earth and become a bridge for us to attack and retreat over. The way you ask me what I think and challenge me. The way the books you read become books I have read, and the thoughts I string together come back to me from your own mind. The ways we can always decide who will take the spray paint and who will take the hammer. The way you kiss me, the way you touch my body as though it weren't this broken thing, the way you teach me to suck out the poison so I can lo love those I love and hate those I hate and not get it mixed up. I fell in love with the way you'll always be my lookout when I got the rage, the way you play with fire, the way you're braver than me, the way you carry a new world in your heart, as much as you deny be believing in anything as fanciful as a new world. I love how friendship is revolutionary to you. But we can't let that become a dictum. We're joyous in the riot, and all the other days we drift apart. That's not enough. Every fucking day has to be our commune, whether it can yield a riot or only offer us a quiet moment together. So let's throw down for friendship. Throw down for strangers. Throw down for the lost commune. Let's throw down for memory. Throw down for craziness. Throw down for theory, for beauty, for healing, for sexiness, for survival. Let's throw down for dead cops. Let's throw down for the lost skills of sabotage and the lost art of living well. Let's throw down for stories, throw down for imagination. Let's throw down for the riot, and especially the day after. Let's throw down for life, for all of us, and for every moment in the wilderness of misery, this labyrinth of estrangement, in order to become 
and truly be friends. And we're going to be doing the topic of the week uh, for this podcast, uh, and it is titled Alice for Love. Love is in the air this week as Valentine's Day is being celebrated in many places around the world. The holiday has become a day for consumers to express their affection to one another by buying gifts such as flowers and sweets for their significant others. Around the year 2000, the anonymous authors at Crime Think wrote a book called Days of War, Nights of Love, which in one part states, Falling in love is the ultimate act of revolution, of resistance to today's tedious, socially restrictive, culturally constrictive, patently ridiculous world. This week, we're taking a break from playing kissy face and drooling over each other to take a moment to get all sappy and talk about love. What is love? Are you in love? Who do you love? Destroy what you love? How has love transformed your anarchist world? Who in the anarchist space has addressed the subject of love that you enjoy or dislike? How do you think most anarchists think about the topic of love? What historical examples are there of anarchists and the subject of love? What annoys you most about the topic? What is your favorite song about love? You got anything to um, start with? Um, well, I guess what I thought about when I first read it was about hippies and how they were all about love, and then punk was kind of anti-love, and maybe some sort of anarchist culture uh, stemmed from punk, which is defined against hippies or something. Mm. Um, And how I was like, I guess I thought about how I'm motivated by many emotions and forces, including love. Um, We were talking last night about this topic and someone said that love is a force like gravity, which brings the elements together And strife is a force like entropy that pulls them apart and they're always in conversation. Um, Mm. And I thought that that sounded like a really potent metaphor for anarchy and anarchy action. In what way? In the way that there's like that poster that says, life is ecstatic intercourse between creation and destruction. Mm. Um, And there's a picture of someone smashing a cop car. Um, like, yeah, and the way that a destructive act is a creative one because you're thinking about the world you'd rather see, I think love is like that too. It's a motivation, like a motivating factor in creating a world we'd rather be in. And I feel when I'm experimenting with anarchy, I'm thinking about the people I love and the animals and the places and the land that I love and wanting those things to have space and time and to continue and 
So I feel like, yeah, love is a force that motivates me in my actions and thoughts and behaviors. And yeah, I like it. I also like romantic love, Mm. (laughs) which they're saying is sappy. I don't like to feel a hostage to other people's romantic love or my romantic love. I like to challenge what that means for me at all times. But yeah, I like the topic of love. Hmm. I like to lean into in, in what way are they saying that it's sappy? I thought they said in the t- in the description, playing kissy face and drooling over each other to get a little sappy and talk about love. Oh, yeah. I guess I didn't read it that way. How did you read it? Like uh, I read that as just um, kind of being playful rather yeah, than of like po- poking fun at a romantic love. Yeah, I think there for me there is a lot of thought and conversation that needs to happen between thinking about love and thinking about something like revolution and linking those things as if they are closely linked is like um pressing them together in a way that i think like that's not how my brain works like maybe just in terms of this Uh, i think it sounds good to say like this falling in love is the ultimate act of revolution like i don't i don't think on the face of it that that's true at all and i can yeah, I guess we'll go into this later, but to, for me, to, like, my definition of love that I gave, that I came up with I, for myself a few months ago or a year ago or something is that um, it's the insatiable desire to be known by another, and since then I've kind of added things to it, or I guess it's it's my definition that I think is worth defining. There's things about it that aren't worth defining and are impossible to define. And the experience of love for me has been mostly different with every person that I felt in love with, um, either romantic or friendship or whatever, any kind. And I am totally fine leaving most of it to the unknowable, indescribable kind of magical feelings. Whatever, like, magical, um, yeah, just things that I don't actually want to put words to, I guess. But the part that I do want to define is, yeah, this thing of, like, really wanting to know another and feeling like I can't know them enough or something and just wanting to know them more and more as they change. And the other part of it is I want to be known by that person or uh, being. And what that comes to, for me, is in order to be known by somebody in an honest way, you have to expose yourself. You have to, like, be vulnerable. And so then you actually learn things about yourself. And I... I think I've probably learned the most about myself while being in love and trying to be in love with somebody because it forces me to like be vulnerable and honest with myself and expose myself, expose parts of myself that I don't even know are there necessarily. And for me, that is getting into the realm of becoming some revolutionary process, I guess. Because it's like, it's breaking through some maybe spectacular representation I have of myself that I'm presenting to other people or to myself. So it, it can shatter this kind of illusory part of who we are, who we think we are, who we want to be seen as and all these things. It's like, it can get to the, these other parts of ourselves. But yeah, but I think just saying like, falling in love is revolutionary. It honestly, I feel is ridiculous. Like, it can be, and it can also be, like, fucking Hitler and his wife being in love and committing genocide as part of their romance or whatever. Like, it can be anything, I think. Hmm. 
Yeah, the ultimate act of revolution is a little extreme, but... And unless you have something to say, I, I, I want to go into a direction with that that I, that I think this kind of potentially prompts. Is that okay? Where we are living, there is like... There are a lot of people that come here to experience or experiment with or live their desires in like alternative love relationships, right? So queer, like just different, different things or polyamory or whatever. And I think the way that that manifests sometimes or is presented is as this revolutionary act, but I've lived here for a while, and I've seen the way that those things are co-opted and are not inherently revolutionary at all, though they might be, like, for the individuals, you know, as, like, again, exposing a part of themselves or being able to be vulnerable or being open with others around them about who they are and what their desires are, and I think that's really great, but it also has meant a police and corporate contingent at pride marches and things like that and it's not actually a threat to the world as it exists or it doesn't have to be unless people make the effort for it to be it's like and i don't know i think that looks really different for different people but it isn't just inherently like a threat or is it as it, or some form of attack or something but i i mean people have different standards for these things and different desires for what they're the loves of their life, like the kind of role they play in the larger world around them. So I'm just, I'm doing a bit of projecting of what I want my loves to be. And yeah, I don't know if that makes sense or if you have questions. I think it's a little confusing because I'm still maybe making sense of some of this stuff in my own head. What you're saying is that the act of loving another person is not enough in itself to be threatening to the existent, to use anarchist language. Right, like, I, I think there is a part of it, like, there are, struct like, love structures, or things that are presented to us as love structures, like the fam, like, nuclear family, sure. the hetero, like, kind of yes. hetero, patriarchy, whatever type shit, that serves, that actually serves to reinforce and expand the worlds that exist now, that anarchists tend to fight against. But that doesn't mean that you're, if you're not, if you're doing something else, that you're attacking that world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you're having a polyamorous, not straight relationship that you're, like, destroying capitalism or something, even though it might feel, it might feel personally that way because it is challenging, like, some personal, like, things, right? In the way that we're brought up. Mm -hmm. It also is very easily integrated into, like, the broader society. And that's definitely, I mean, that's, like, that is what is happening where we live and has been happening and is, like, fully has happened i would say well that's like the process of assimilation or something but mm -hmm. or recuperation or both but i feel like what you're saying also implies that there's some static thing that is revolutionary and some static thing that is not and i mean i know you sort of like made a nod to like well that could be big for them personally mm -hmm. um but i think it just depends where you are like it's i I'm glad that you positioned it in the place that we live, but like, obviously based on how, who loves who seems to really matter to like many people. Right. Um, there's a reason why there's like hate crimes against people like that, or mm -hmm. that it like threatens something 
fundamental about the way that people see the world or the religious views that they hold or um, this kind of thing. And I do think that, like, I guess I go, I vacillate. I mean, I, I, ideally both are happening at the, or all ways of experimenting with anarchy are happening simultaneously. But of course, like for my own self, I'm thinking about changing culture and, you know, you can, one could argue that who loves who and how is a way of changing the fabric of society. Um, and I think that that is what people were on about when they were talking about polyamory and, and changing the nuclear family structure. And we're seeing, of course, that that's not enough. You can still have a managerial relationship to your, to your partners. Um, and like, I see this person on Monday and these persons on Wednesday, I don't want to exclude this person as opposed to like thinking about a completely different way of relating. And this is the same with any other like force in our society, not just love and the form formation of relationships, like how we spend our time, how we share time, how we attack, how we, all of those things are, have varying degrees of efficacy depending on what else is happening. And that's why it's like a conversation. And so I, I think I like, it is easy for me to go to the place of like, this is pointless or this isn't enough or something. But when I actually think about how it is extremely threatening to some people, mm-hmm. who you love, how you love, how you, sp- all the things I just said, how you spend your time, how you attack, like that, that these are varying layers of something and they are meaningful at different times to different people. Yeah, totally. I'm not, I'm not in disagreement with that. I, what I'm, I guess maybe to clarify what I would like to see or the way that I see these things in my own life is that I want love as it is present in my life to inspire and give me the energy and knowledge of myself and the way and like the world that surrounds me so that I can find new ways of attacking. So even if the way that I'm loving another person or loving the people around me or the land around me or the beings around me is in some ways challenging. It is not the end. It is a thing that like fuels me to attack further, if that makes sense. So love is a force. Yeah, it, it is a force and it is like, I guess the thing that, the thing that I'm at, like, if, if that makes sense as like a positive proposal or something or as a, a positive direction that I want to move in, if that gives some clarity to my critique. So, like, the ability to love in whatever way we want to love, to me, as an end in itself, is feels like it's falling short completely. Um, and I see a lot of evidence of that as just manifesting as, like, a reformist project that actually, like, I feel frustrated by the fact that there are people that aren't straight, that live around us, that, like call the police on homeless people they just kind of want to be left alone to have like their little enclave of alternative relationships yeah and that it like makes sense why they would too i think some of that comes from like trauma and shit and it makes you know it's like i also have empathy and understanding to a certain to i do but also i feel frustrated by it because like if you were if you're feeling liberated in this way why would you not want to keep it going so that we can liberate everyone or whatever you can contribute further to your own liberation so yeah i don't know i mean that's how i that's how i want to look at it and it's not yeah like i guess yeah i mean the people i am in love with 
and the beings I am in love with give I feel like they that those those relationships give me a lot of energy to fight in other ways also and like it's like inspiring like the the feelings of being in love are, it inspire me to find new ways to feel more liberated either with those people and beings or um or by myself and so I I think I feel a little judgmental and frustrated when I see people kind of experience loving relationships as like the end of their liberation or something mm-hmm. rather yeah, than a course. means you know of course yeah that makes sense or means and end or whatever you know what i mean like um yeah but it also i mean you're totally right that it's context specific mm-hmm. and i'm speaking from like i've lived most of my life here mm-hmm. and i'm like seeing how that plays out how and it's it's it has changed over the past whatever how you know my life what that's looked like and at this point is just fully fucking integrated you know like mm-hmm. there's commercials for lgbt cops and like all this shit is just it's like absurd and people are pushed i don't want to like minimize the fact that there are queer people pushing back on that in like mm-hmm. real ways like that's for sure happening too and i'm that's really cool and inspiring and like yeah i don't want to like i don't want to act like i'm not seeing that but yeah, I don't know, it's just frust- that that part is frustrating to me, but we don't have to we don't have to get stuck there in the frustration. Um I don't feel stuck there. Okay. I sometimes do. <laughs> <laughs> Can you think of any historical examples of anarchists on the subject of love? I was trying to. <clears throat> I mean, I well, of course, I'm blanking on the name, even though I know it really well. Emma Goldman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like <laughs> That's the, the only no, no, thing no. I could think and, of. And the other fool. Uh, Alex Berkman. Yeah, yeah, Alex Berkman. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's such a, it's such a cliche example to bring up, probably, but, <laughs> the, and it's fine. Like, that's, that is the one I thought of, too. <laughs> it's the only one I thought could think <laughs> of. Um, but I think that, uh, it's a cool example because it was it happened so long ago and yet their love seems pretty hard to pin down or describe mm. which is like pretty crazy that that's the case i don't know for me yeah to know that anarchists have been challenging these things for that long and in that way is really cool and obviously i mean if we go before that there's also people that lived outside of civilization that had com- things that were completely at odds with nuclear family and patriarchy and whatever hetero shit like and they had to be like basically fucking i mean genocided basically to fucking to make them stop or their challenge to challenge their ways of being and you know that like they they continue to this day and that's that's also like i don't know i would include that as part of this lineage Mm -hmm. personally shit i just had another one and i talked myself into forgetting it (laughs) (laughs) Happens all the time. Mm, well, if we can't think of one, okay, maybe it'll come to me as we talk about something else. Mm-hmm. What annoys you about this topic? I think that's a good question. Mm. Uh, I mean, just the stuff that I was... Fr- I mean, the thing that is annoying to me is the quote, um, falling in love is the ultimate act of revolution. It's just fucking ridiculous. I think it, like, sounds cool, maybe, but if, like... I don't even think it sounds that cool. Yeah, it does not sound that cool to me in, anymore. I think it would have sounded cool to me when I was reading Days of War, Nights of Love when I was like a teenager. I would have been like, yeah, that's so deep or something. But at this point, I'm like, what does that mean? Like, it requires a lot more, uh, like I said earlier, like it just to get to that point, you have to 
clarify a lot of things. Mm. It's like the whole process of getting there is missing and is just totally, it's like reducing a whole thing to, for the sake of kind of absolute, like, I don't know, just a weird poetic generalization. Well, we also, it's taken out of context. We don't know what I was saying, the whole sentence. I'm sure, like, I do think that, I think what annoys me the most about this topic is that there's this reaction against love. Um, and that it, and I don't know if I see it as much anymore, which is kind of nice, but I think when I was in my twenties, there's like a kind of like reactive, like keep it to yourself thing about love. Mm. Like, don't put it in my face. Don't like, like, let's all be normal. And like, we all love our friends the same. And I feel, I don't think that was very good for me personally. And I think that like, I want to express love to all the people I love, which are many, and all the places I love and animals and plants and all those things. I just, and I think what annoys me most about this topic is that when I say the truth, like I just did, like I want to express love, I have this reactionary voice in my head that's like, wow, corny. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think that 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 feels like something that's put in me from counterculture or subculture that I think is like something I want gone. Like I, I want to feel how I want to feel and I want to like, sure, it's okay to examine it, but it feels like repressive to, you know, kind Mm. of like uh, conceal or hide that away um, for the sake of some sort of like Protestant idea of behind closed doors and not shoving things in each other. You know, it just feels kind of like restrictive. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, And that there's only one way to be in love that fits into some kind of revolutionary ideal also bothers me like i just don't it's like when we have these counterculture ideas and then they become the new hegemony or something it's like very boring um and restrictive and so yeah i mean but i understand how you could then go full circle and then just be like you know again like it's just i think all of this stuff is there's the solutions don't the solutions become problems you know yeah and so it's like having a conversation and being in balance with what we, you know, the kind of world we want to see and being able to select like how to act in the way that feels best to you and the people around you, you know, or just be authentic to how you're feeling, I guess is more what I mean. Which requires knowledge of yourself. Yeah, of course. And the other person. Yeah. And the other people in the room and right. the type of like social uh, situation you want to be in, the type of, possibilities you want to create Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you i've said i say this about most things but i'm very for just groups of friends and deciding how they want to do things instead of trying to be like we are challenging this by all doing this and if you're not challenging it and i mean specific i'm thinking of polyamory specifically but like as like the revolutionary or the anarchist like way of doing relationship that challenges like the kind of propertarian aspects of monogamy or something Mm -hmm. just becomes another like binary like it's either the liberated way or the bad way and i mean obviously to me it seems obvious that that kind of binary thinking is going to be restrictive and is going to feel like domineering or even oppressive maybe to some people that don't fit into that and i would much rather groups of friends just experiment and decide their own values together that like people that are actually directly in each other's lives and for me definitely i mean anytime a bunch of people around me start saying that 
this is the right way of doing things. I want to not do it that way. But wait, what you're saying contradictory things because if a group of people <laughs> decides what works for them and then, then it, like, right, right, right. if they've decided, then maybe what you have to deal with is grieve the f- ways that you don't fit into that. Sure. I, I What I'm saying with the last part I'm saying mm-hmm. is that a group of people that I'm not actually participating, like, that I'm not in conversation with. Mm-hmm. So, like, the decision by the... Right. The decision by the kind of broader anarchist world or whatever to take on polyamory as the deliberated relationship format is not a decision I played. Like, I didn't participate in the making of that decision it just is like became a cultural trend that's happening in all over the world it seems and for me to make that kind of decision for myself is like takes experimentation like direct conversation with the people that i'm going to be in relationship with like it's Mm -hmm. like a process Mm -hmm. that is a negotiation uh a commitment to hear each other and like take each other's needs and traumas and all this kind of shit, like, into account. And I guess, yeah, I understand how that... Maybe it is contradictory, I don't know. But, yeah, like, I guess what I'm talking about is, like, a a more structure thing that I didn't participate in creating when that's imposed on me, especially by anarchists. I'm just like, what the fuck? How You can't fucking tell me to do this. Like, based on what? You know, and it makes me, but I guess it also makes me want to try other things. It's not just some reactionary impulse where I'm like, well, then I'm going to do monogamy if you tell me to not. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what do I actually want? Like, it makes me think harder or something. Mm-hmm. But it makes me less likely to do the thing that is, I'm being told to do, which mm-hmm. is maybe, that is probably a reactionary impulse, but whatever. I don't know. Don't fucking tell me what to do then. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, how do you feel about the polyamory stuff? I overarchingly like it. I think that, like, I agree with it as a premise and an experimentation and a way of being in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think trying to diversify how we get our, like, whatever to put it silly, like, oxy, like, oxytocin needs met or whatever. Um, oxytocic. Uh, or just like our relational needs. Oxytoxic, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's really important to challenge the parts of ourselves that need to be, um, what am I, let me start over. I think that experimenting with different ways of doing romantic love or just love in general are really important. Um, I think if you're trying to replicate what is ha- passed down on, like from, um, society about what a quote successful relationship is like, um, you're sort of bound to fail and it, and it sets people up for like codependency or unhappiness or these kinds of things. And mm-hmm. so I think it is important to experiment with different ways of practicing knowing oneself. And like you said in the beginning, I think you know, loving someone is wanting to know them and wanting to know yourself. And I think polyamory is sort of a little bit, it can be an accelerant in that way Mm. um, because you have more conversations about what you want. Um, Of course you can have that in monogamy as well. Um, But for me, it's been really important to figure out how to, yeah, meet my own needs, uh, have a really 
good relationship with myself, have a good relationship with the people around, like with my partner's other partners or like people who in sort of dominant society, you're supposed to be like positioned against or like in competition with. Mm -hmm. Um, and like that has been profound for me in terms of thinking about people outside of like how they relate to the person I'm relating with or something like, Mm. um, and, uh, like, like, like a metamor. So like someone like not being in competition with someone is what I mean. Mm -hmm. Metamor is a person that's one of the other partners. I'm just, I know what it means, but I'm clarifying for the thing Mm because maybe not everyone does. Yeah. It's the other partner of your partner. Mm Mm-hmm. The person you're competing with. <laughs> the person you're in a gladiator match <laughs> with. It's the, to um, compete for who gets to stay in the ring of your partner's affection. Right. Um, totally. And, oh wait, I was, you interrupted me and oh, I was sorry, saying I'm sorry, something. I'm sorry. Um, you were saying a way of being in the world that uh, oh. challenges the way you relate to people you would be in competition with. Or you could be. Or that society positions you to be in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's been hugely useful. And also I have like experienced the thing of maybe not wanting to have that for whatever reason and feeling pressure to mm-hmm. to do that. So I I think it is just about what works and what doesn't. Why, why does it work with some people and not with others? Um, and it is just... Yeah, I I think people should just decide things for themselves, obviously, and figure it out. And but I think also has been really useful for me. Um, and also not being in a polyamorous relationship has been useful for me too, um, and has shown me other things as well. So I think it's more just for me. It feels important to have a commitment to be like n- not static or something. It should be dynamic mm-hmm. um, and sort of assess what's wanted and needed and have that have there be space for that no matter the relationship form and i feel sort of the same about like love's role in anarchy as well like i think it makes sense that sometimes you want to prioritize that and sometimes you don't (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and that's okay i guess yeah and with yeah different situations different people different things are going to work yeah and i just like or like feel like yeah. Maybe I fucking hate the use of work as a thing, mm. but, you know, feel joyful or yeah. fulfilling. But I think for me, this idea of like love as a force as opposed to an emotion feels really key. And I'm glad that the person we were talking to yesterday said that because I think that's really, um, that is like it puts words to how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And I, it feels like something that I can utilize or that takes me both. Um, mm. And I feel glad that it's in my world. Would you like to expand this conversation to talking about um, love of love outside of a romantic relationship? Oh, yeah, I kind of thought we were. I mean, just I thought we were only talking about romantic love when we were talking about polyamory. Mm. I guess more, like, directly. Okay. Um, so, like, in the conversation yesterday we were having with our friends, and when we were talking about love as a force that brings things together, um, gravity was brought up as an example of a force of love. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a force that's having impact on all of us, right? And, like, 
all of us means everyone that's on this planet and the planets around it, and mm-hmm. everything, like the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that is a force of love, like, how do we relate to that? Or how do we see ourselves in this world that is, like, that means we are inescapably in love with the earth like just because of our relation like because gravity just exists allegedly (laughs) (laughs) i haven't tested it that much (laughs) um but then i guess i want to talk about like love 